listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle Podcast with Monica Woodhams. Influencer Girl Lifestyle is all about connecting you with top entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities who are sharing their secrets to living the influencer life behind the Instagram filters. So get ready to learn the ins and outs about influence, some girl talk, from dating to shopping for Gucci belts, and of course, the all-too-frequent debate over mimosas versus Bloody Marys at brunch. Here's your host and go-to for all things influencer lifestyle, Monica Woodhams. Hey, y'all. I'm here today with Jamie Schmidt. She is the founder of Schmidt Naturals. Schmidt Naturals was born from Jamie's vision in 2010 during the maker movement. With humble beginnings in Portland, Oregon kitchen, entrepreneurship brought Jamie's lifetime passion for innovative body care into focus. Motivated to make products that would benefit her family's health and knowing that the natural deodorant offerings on the market were falling short of consumer expectations, Jamie made it her mission to change the way people think about deodorant. So welcome, Jamie. Hi, Monica. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm excited to dive deep in this deodorant topic because I've actually spent the past six months on my journey into natural deodorant. So I have a lot of questions. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait to hear about your experience. Yeah. So let's kick it off real quick with a little icebreaker. So first question is, are you an early riser or a night owl? Ooh, I am an early riser. Early to bed, early to rise. Well, as long as I'm getting my eight hours, I'm generally happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But usually usually I'm up around, you know, 6, 6.30. Okay. Uh, on the weekdays and the weekends. Maybe I'll give myself another half hour. But, but yeah, I, I definitely am one of those that needs a good eight hours. And if I don't get it, then I'm thinking about it all day. And if something goes wrong, day, <laughs> I blame it on the lack of eight hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally feel you. Uh, do you drink tea or coffee? Both. Which um, is your favorite? Yeah, I generally start my day with one cup of coffee, but that's all I need. Okay. Um, any more than that, and I, it's too much. Um, and then tea, usually throughout the day. Sometimes I'll drink um, yerba mate. Oh, yeah. Um, that's, that's one of my faves. And I'll drink that like before a morning workout, which which I like. I feel like it gives me like the perfect amount of energy. Yeah, I like that. I haven't mm-hmm. thought about doing it before a workout. Sometimes yeah. I can't drink coffee before a workout or like I feel real weird. It's like a weird like energy thing slash the caffeine kicked in in a weird mm-hmm. way yeah there's a delicate know. balance for sure it's like if you just like that if you go one sip too many and then you're like Ugh. yeah <laughs> like, i don't know what's happening here yeah um podcast or books Ooh, it depends on my mood and my and my place i suppose um i i love books i know mm-hmm. i always have at least one book that i'm um, you know, in the midst of, um, I, I generally like fiction, but then also nonfiction. So I'll have like one of each that I'll be reading. And then podcasts, of course, you know, in the car. Yeah. Uh, I have to admit though, it took me a bit to get into podcasts. Like I really didn't start tapping into them until gosh, maybe, you know, less than a year ago, oh, Okay. which is, I think I was a little late to the scene there. Usually because when I, before when I'd be in my car, I'd like my music, yeah. you know, I didn't want um, but then I've, you know, saw the value of podcasts. There's so much to learn. And I feel like even, um, in moments that you wouldn't otherwise think to listen to it. Like maybe if you're washing the dishes right. or cooking something. Like that's a good opportunity to listen to a podcast too, I think. Yeah. It's funny for me. I So I grew up with my parents always having NPR on in the car. So I was mm. so used to that being what's on instead of music. Mm-hmm. That um, then in college, so like 10 years ago, I think NPR kind of had their version of 
podcasting on their website and my dad would like send it to me and then once serial came out then I just was kind of all in on the podcasting thing but yeah most of my friends are just also now starting to listen to podcasts yeah did you did you want to do your own podcast for a while I did I like over four years ago I wanted to start a podcast and everyone I talked to was like literally no one listens to podcasts but you (laughs) or they're listening to that serial podcast yeah and I just I just knew that it was something that I would love so much and you know it's one of those lessons where you know you just have to go for it you can't Mm -hmm. wait for everyone to validate it first yeah and look at look how many podcasts there are now yeah it's and I think it's cool too because there can't be too many and I I think about this a lot like the competitive landscape of podcasts Mm -hmm. like I feel like podcasts, like from my experience, some of the podcasts I've done, like they've, you know, told me about other podcasts and things. And I don't see it being really competitive because every one of them is so unique and has its own spin. Right. Of course, there's probably some, you know, crossover. um, But I I think it's a little bit different than like, you know, I grew up in this, or my experience, my business experience in the landscape of products where it's Mm -hmm. like so competitive, right? Right. Like that shelf space. Right. Like I'm not going to encourage my customers to go buy another deal. (laughs) With your podcast, you can, you know, tell you know, talk about other podcasts. Right. I, I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, no, it yeah. really is. It's really cool because at the end of the day, like, it's a voice. It's a conversation and you just can't, you can't quote unquote copy that. Right. So it's a really mm-hmm. cool space to be in. Yeah, I bet. A colorful wardrobe or a neutral wardrobe? Ooh. I think within the last year or so, it's gotten a lot more colorful. Um it, it depends. Like you might see me one day though, like with the, the blacks or the, you know, the browns or whites, but then, then, you know, the day after I'll have a bright red pair of pants. On. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, you can see here, I'm not very black and white with a lot of my answers. It's you know, <laughs> somewhere in the middle, but I love fashion. Yeah. That is something that's very dear to me. And I, um, I'm always looking for the next, you know, big thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'd probably say a lot of my attention and money goes is really you know, into my wardrobe. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of mood-based, would you say? Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, yeah, it's fun. And, I, you know, my, my schedule has changed a bit since we sold the company. You know, I'm still working, but a lot of it's from home. And so that, you know, plays into what I'm going to wear as well. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't sit around in, you know, loungy clothes all day. I do like to, you know, get dressed and, you know, wear something that I feel good in. And Yeah, um, I think yeah. it makes a difference. It kind of sets the tone for your day in a different mm-hmm. way. Yeah, for sure. I think it, it directly impacts mood, too. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes if I feel like I'm having, I don't know, if I'm just feeling a little bit off or maybe cranky, um, <laughs> if I put on something nice, then I, you know, like, feel better, and then it just kind of makes me happier. It's true. I was actually yeah. thinking yesterday about how when I was in high school, when we would have finals, we would be allowed to dress down and, like, wear, like, basically, like, yoga pants and t-shirts oh, or whatever. That's funny. And yeah. looking back, I'm like, I bet we would perform better on tests if we were, like, dressed well because yeah. you know when we were like in yoga because I remember like just like sprawling out and like yeah, being too your posture comfortable. changes yeah, yeah. like <laughs> why did they do that that's funny yeah I don't think our school did that <laughs> okay so let's transition into your journey and what in let's start with what inspired you to create a natural deodorant because you weren't seeing the product that you wanted or to even let's even backtrack more why did you know that you wanted to start incorporating natural deodorant into your life yeah well 
I mean, natural products in general were something I started paying you know more close attention to when I was pregnant. Okay, um, that was back in 2010, and you know, of course, every pregnant mom you know is looking at the food she's eating, but also you know, just as important is you know the stuff we're putting on our skin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was you know very conscious of that. Um, one thing that was hard for me to go natural with though was deodorant. I mean, a lot of the natural deodorants at that time just didn't work well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I began to wonder, like, do I have a, you know, a stink <laughs> or what's going on? I don't feel like I'm excessively smelly. Um, but that was one, it was harder for me to switch. You know, it was easy for me to, to change over to a natural shampoo and lotion and all that. Um, but the deodorant was a challenge. Um, so it was a combination, you know, of that. Um, but then I also just, I had this sincere interest in, like, DIY. You mm-hmm. know, what making things that I could make, you know, you know, not just the foods, but also things around the house and different drinks. Like I was making kombucha in my home. And, um, and this was back in, you know, Portland during the maker movement, you know, back in 2010, mm-hmm. where everybody literally was was making something. And, you know, whether it was for a hobby or to take to market, mm-hmm. um, it was just a really um, intense time of, um, you know, doing it yourself. And so there was some inspiration there, you know, to be a part of that. Um and yeah, and it just, it really did start as a hobby. I was, I was making other things too. It wasn't just the deodorant at that time. I was making sunscreen and shampoo bars and foot creams. And, um, and once I had, you know, started making these things and using them for myself and sharing it with my family, I saw the opportunity to, to, you know, take them to, um, like farmer's markets. Cause in, in Portland, it was, there was so much opportunity, right? right? There was farmer's markets everywhere. There were street festivals every, you know, during the, during the summer and, um, I thought I'd go for it and just try to share these creations with more people. And I, I really had no expectations going into this. Like at that time, I didn't, you know, see myself starting a business mm-hmm. or, you know, I didn't even know if anybody would buy anything. And the first couple of sales I made, I was like, wow, there's some interest here. And then um, each week, you know, the interest grew and customers would come back to my booth and, you know, really tell me how much they were loving the products, especially that deodorant. And that was the one that, you know, they were saying was was literally changing their lives, you know. A lot of customers shared that same frustration that I had with finding a natural deodorant that worked. And so with with mine, it, it was working for them, and that was really cool. Um, so I saw that opportunity, and then I thought, you know what, this this is something. Like, I'm on to something here. And so I chose to go, you know, all in, 100% on deodorant and just, you know, scale back the other products because I, want, I thought if I'm going to start a business, it has to be, you know, one thing that I do really, really well and not try to do everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really, you know, happy I made that decision because I think it helped me, you know, break into the industry um, rather than, you know, trying to do it all. And yeah. Right. That's, that's a really awesome point that you bring up of like really sticking to that one thing at first and mm-hmm. really like solving that problem in the industry. And then, mm-hmm. you know, going back out and branching out again from there because I think when we can solve like that one problem that really is a void in the market that's Mm -hmm. that's when it really stands out yeah that's key and then you know once you have your customer loyalty then they say okay well what else you know can you make for us but totally getting there it definitely requires you know one thing um, and that's, that's an interesting point too, because I did have pushback from friends and family who were saying, you know, you know, we love the lotions. You can't stop making those. And, you know, the more, the better. And I just kind of followed my, my intuition on that one. And, um, you know, really, um, I'm happy looking back on, you know, how that played out. Totally. So when it came to learning about, you know, the product or the, you know, the ingredients that go into deodorant was there a lot of research that you were doing on your end as you were creating your deodorant or is that research you had already done what did that whole process look like for you 
it's not something I had, you know, dove into deeply, you know, before, um, the deodorant. I, you know, the body care products just kind of, the idea just came to me and it, mm-hmm. I didn't have experience, you know, formulating or any mm-hmm. kind of chemistry background. Um, but once I dove in, it was, I really had fun with it. I had a number of different iterations of the deodorant and I, you know, just tried so many different combinations of ingredients and, you know, there's different ratios I messed around with, different melting techniques, different temperatures, uh, it was truly just jumping in and just trying. And I kept notes. Like, all, I have some today still, all these handwritten notes, and they're just covered in oils. And <laughs> where it was, you know, two tablespoons of cocoa butter and um, just, just so many iterations. And then I'd write my feedback next to the recipe. And I'd be like, okay, this one's too soft. This one's too hard. And I just kept going with it. And it also helped um, at the farmer's markets, too, because I would be able to talk to my customers directly, and they would give me their feedback. Mm-hmm. And I loved that, and I welcomed it. And it was really an opportunity to... Um, you know, use them as a focus group and just uh, make the product, you know, the best that it, that it could be. Yeah. When you finally nailed down your recipe that you were like, yep, this is it. Did you mm-hmm. have that moment? It was where it was like, this is, this is it. This is the one, this is where I don't need to keep experimenting right. anymore. You know, it was a work in progress for, for a couple of years. I mean, even, um, you know, once I had to scale up from, you know, 20, you know, a batch of 20 to a batch of 200, there's still mm-hmm. some tweaks that have to be made because, there's different factors that play in uh, when you go bigger, and so um, it was it, it was a work in progress for a long time. And I, I, even you know within recent years, we might make little changes here and there. And you know it's been you know the same ingredients, and um, obviously the quality hasn't been compromised and that sort of thing. But but small tweaks have definitely been you know part of the growing process. Definitely, and I definitely want to talk about you know how your brand did expand so quickly. But before we get to that point, I want to talk about. The, you know, the basics behind natural deodorant versus normal deodorant, because I know for me in the past few months, I've been playing around with natural deodorant because I, like, I'm fully aware, you know, of like, there's some nasty stuff in the chemical, or some nasty stuff in the daily products that we use. And I want, I'm trying to be more conscious about what I put on my skin and what my skin absorbs into my body. But Mm -hmm. when my friends ask me, like, why deodorant specifically i can't give them an answer i think part Mm -hmm. of it's like just my intuition knows that like clean products are the way to go but so how can you break it down for us the natural deodorant versus what you know maybe we've been using since we were 16 yeah that's a great question i mean the first the first ingredient that's you know most problematic in some of these conventional formulas is aluminum um and that's um it works by you know blocking the sweat glands to keep you from sweating, and so you know that alone is is not the healthiest process because you want you know your body needs to you know get rid of the toxins and sweat and just um, you know trapping that all inside just just doesn't make sense, and so that's that's one um, reason to avoid it. But also aluminum has actually been linked to um, things like Alzheimer's and and breast cancer, and you know there's there's conflicting studies around it. Mm-hmm. But if there are those studies that do exist, like why risk it, right? right? Yeah. Um, and that's always been our philosophy. Like Schmitz has never used all these scare tactics of like, you know, if you don't use naturally, <laughs> right. you know, you're, you're in extreme danger. <laughs> right. But, um, but it, we, you know, our philosophy is like if you have if you have the options and they work just as well and they you know smell even better, then you know why not go natural? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just the aluminum. There's you know other things like parabens and phthalates, and you know these are things like uh, synthetic preservatives or chemical stabilizers that are really common. In, in some of these commercial brands, and um, you know that that was a challenge in formulating. I mean, things like like propylene glycol is a great example, and that's um, you know a petroleum-based mineral that 
gives uh, deodorant its slick consistency. And so mm-hmm. that's what a lot of customers are accustomed to is that, that easy glide, right? Mm-hmm. You put the stick on your armpit and it just slips right on. And uh, with Schmitz, that, that was one of the, the ingredients I really wanted to avoid because there's been some studies that have shown that it's, you know, it can be damaging to the, the central nervous system and, you know, the liver and the heart. And so I wanted to make one that was without propylene glycol, but I also wanted it to go on the skin, you know, in a nice, smooth fashion. And so Schmidt's texture is a bit different. You have to, you know, hold it under your uh, skin or onto your skin for a couple seconds mm-hmm. just to let it warm up. And then when it's warm, then it glides nicely. So there's a little bit of a... Um, I guess learning curve, or, you know, there might it might feel a bit different the first time you use it, but it but it's it's worth it, and yeah. it's 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 still e- very easy. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I think we often forget like how much our skin absorbs mm-hmm. and how it really does absorb into the rest of our body, and you know, there's some there's certain items that you, we use on occasion. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't wear makeup every day, you know, mm-hmm. so. Occasionally wear makeup if I like have a dinner I'm going to something like that. But deodorant is something that we are literally wearing every day since we turned like what twelve, mm-hmm. and we don't know anything about it other than the fact that we turned twelve and like at school like they give us a little travel size yeah. one and then we but we yeah. have no education around it and so mm-hmm. i think it's really interesting how now people are getting really interested in learning more but again like i think we're just like scratching off the surface of like really um being like okay wow mm-hmm. that's something that i've been using that i just been going through the motions yeah that's a great point and, and with schmitz too like we wanted to offer a product that smelled really nice too, because yeah. like you say, you're given the stick and they all kind of smell the same, yeah. it's like mount, mountain breeze, or <laughs> what, yeah. ocean, whatever. But, um, you know, we wanted something, or I did back when I started formulating that, that smelled really nice and it didn't smell, you know, cheap and it didn't have the, uh, synthetic fragrances, but I wanted the, you know, the pure essential oils that just smelled like the real thing. And mm-hmm. so that was a big driving factor in my formulations as well. Definitely. So yeah. Someone might be wondering, okay, so we're aware that there's, you know, links between the ingredients that are in the conventional deodorant that, again, we're used to using. So why are they in there if we know that they might mm-hmm. be bad? Is, yeah. Is that, again, like what you said about, like, one one of the ingredients helps things glide or one thing might just, like mm-hmm. – hold it together like it's more like yeah. practical reasons rather than I think that's part of it practicality you know they they make the product easy to formulate but also they're they're cheaper I mean mm. you know with Schmitz every ingredient in in our product does serve a purpose and um, I think with some of these other ones they, they kind of act as fillers um, you know a lot of brands will also just throw a bunch of water in there and of course water is not a bad thing but it um, it is um, a significant part of the formula and it's just it's not serving a purpose mm-hmm. and it's just um taking up space and you know things like like i mentioned the propylene glycol yes that is that's in there specifically you know to to give that smooth slick consistency and um so you're compromising a bit on the potential safety risk um but it but it feels good yeah 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 and so the other thing that you brought up earlier on which is why you kind of embarked on this journey in the first place was because you were pregnant and i'm right now i'm 28 so all my friends are pregnant 
at the moment <laughs> or literally just had a baby like two weeks ago. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I'm, I'm from the Midwest, so we're, yeah. we're, we're really getting to it. Um, my friends but... need to catch up. I'm, I'm 40 and like all my friends like don't have kids. I'm like, come on, I need some friends with kids. <laughs> I need to move back to the West Coast is yeah. what I need to do. I'm from the Midwest originally. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's interesting because as they're, um, they've been pregnant and they're like, oh yeah, I can't eat that or I can't do that. And I'm like, if a pregnant person can't do that, should we really even be using that or doing that in the first yeah. place? Right. That's you know? a good point. I don't know. That's something that what, I think about a lot. Right. What What would a pregnant woman do, right? Yeah. <laughs> that could be our, our driver in all of life's decisions. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, seriously, it's embarrassing yeah. how often I think about that. Yeah, it's a very good point. So when it comes to choosing your ingredients and the pro- and that go into your natural products, um, what kind of goes into that process of making sure that they are of like the highest quality and that they are really good and making mm-hmm. sure that you – you've done your part to make sure that you're following through with the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Well, the great thing is there's there are a lot of options. There are so many suppliers out there. Um, oops, excuse me. Sorry about that. <laughs> Turn my phone. Um, and so, you, you, you know, we do have options. We're not limited to just a couple suppliers that, um, you know, and then that's it. We have um, multiple people to choose from, which is great, but in some ways it makes it harder, right, because we do have to dig in and really do our research. Um one area, though, like I'd like to talk about the essential oils with this. So you can really dig into where these things are sourced. I mean, you can trace these things back to, you know, the fields in Bulgaria. And um, there's our lavender you know, essential oil is a good example of that. Um, you're going to want to find, um, you know, as much as you can, like who who is harvesting these things and where it truly is coming from. And then once it um, gets to the distributor, like what, you know, has it been touched? Has it been altered? And, um, just learning as much as you can about your suppliers and really establishing those relationships, um, and, you know, demanding that transparency is, is going to be key, especially as you scale up. Mm-hmm. How was that for you? So you, I mean, you didn't start this to have like a global brand, right? Mm-hmm. So right. as you're expanding and as you're growing, how did that production piece, um, really like how, how did you kind of handle that? Like, were you mm-hmm. excited to like all of a sudden like, you know, scale in this way or was there mm-hmm. a part that was like, oh my gosh, I'm in over my head. Mm-hmm. It happened so fast that I didn't even have time to, you know, be <laughs> it's scared. It's probably the best way to do it. <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, yeah, which was great. I mean, I was forced to just jump in and figure it out, um, which was great. I always, I often think that learning, you know, just from experience and not even having a choice (laughs) is often the most successful way to learn. Um, But of course there were obstacles, you know, I definitely had to figure things out quickly. I mean, I, you know, I would think I'd have the answers, but then I would have to, you know, make sure I was making smart choices Mm -hmm. and, you know, talking to experts or getting, you know, advice from colleagues and that sort of thing. Um, Right. Yeah. So 2010, there, part of me is like, that seems like it was yesterday. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, wait, (laughs) so less time. Years ago, <laughs> literally, it's so like it's kind of a long period of time, kind of not a long period of time at all. So, how did your brand really expand as quickly mm-hmm. as it did? Yeah, the first couple of years, you know, it was a lot of me um, just formulating at home and taking it to the farmers markets, and I was still working in a different job then. And I, I didn't, I hadn't considered the potential of the business 
within those first couple of years. I, it was more of a hobby and I was having fun with it. Um, but then I really, you know, was started recognizing that I wanted something different out of my career and I was tired of what I had been doing. And so, you know, and this, in the side hustle was, was going well. And I, that's, you know, part of the drive too, was like, let me do this. I, this is what I love. And this is what's really motivating me more than anything. So, you know, probably it was around 2012, 13, where I really jumped in. Um, and I, you know, I, it was more risky then because I did quit my job and I found a space, you know, outside the home to um, do the manufacturing, I hired a couple of people. And so there was more at risk. Um, and so, um, I forgot the question. <laughs> oh, just the, the expansion. Just, yeah. yeah, that whole thing. Like, so just how yeah, it so we so fast. Uh, just kind of, I mean, once I did decide to go in hundred percent and it just kept growing, 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 and there was no looking back. It was just, it was driving itself and our customers were just, were, were really pushing it forward. I mean, we were hearing these raving testimonials from, like, you know, as I mentioned at the markets, but then once we started getting into stores too, I mean, it, it, it didn't take long before you know, Portland knew who Schmidt's deodorant was, mm-hmm. you know, getting that local support, um, was key, I think, for us to, you know, take it even further. And then we started expanding into, you know, some surrounding states. And then it didn't take long before we were national. And then we were selling internationally. And mm-hmm. it was all just kind of word of mouth. And we had some great support from some bloggers who jumped on the bandwagon pretty early on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we had some um, interesting marketing techniques, too, that I think weren't as common back then. Uh, we We really took advantage of you know, advertising on Facebook, which wasn't as popular oh, back then. Right. And it was a lot more affordable yeah. than it is now. We were, I think our, we were ahead of the, the game with, with some of the, you know, advertising and marketing uh, tactics. So while this was all happening so fast, did you have a moment at any point where you're like, oh my gosh, this is like, <laughs> this yeah. is big. Yeah. I feel like that moment really came like just recently, honestly, when, when I look back and I, I think what like what just happened and where did these you know years of my life go and what like, how did I get through this? <laughs> um, you know, in, in the best, greatest you know feelings around it, but it definitely was it was a whirlwind for sure. Um, and I had moments along the journey too where you know I would step back and and think is this is this what I want? And the answer was always like a definite yes. Like I knew this is what I was passionate about and this is what was making me happy. And I could just see the impact I was having on people, which was really rewarding too. Um, but of course there were times where it was just, it was a lot to manage, mm-hmm. especially as we, you know, grew and really started to scale. Like 2017 was, was really our year where we, we went mass. I mean, we launched right. in Target, we launched right. in Costco and that was just a whole other beast, you know, to take on, um, that manufacturing and be able to keep up with that demand. And it was scary. I mean, it was you know, we had, there was a lot on the line and we, mm-hmm. we couldn't screw up because those retailers don't have a tolerance for screw ups. And, right. um, so it, it was stressful, but, you know, I had a great team back me. I had my business partner, Michael at the time, and he, you know, the two of us together and, um, some other amazing people. My husband, um, has been heavily involved in the business and he's always been there doing a ton for the company and also, you know, supporting me on that emotional level. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. If you think back to last year, was, was it hard to delegate parts of your business that you were used to having so much control over? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had mixed feelings around it. You know, there are moments when it was um, a little bit scary because I am a control freak. <laughs> and I, you know, I want to manage all of it. And But it was also really liberating to give something up and, right. um, you know, hand it over to somebody who was probably better qualified to do it mm-hmm. um, and just to have one less thing to, to worry about, you know. Right. Um, yeah. What advice do you have for someone who, you know, they're scaling their business right now, but they are kind of scared to kind of let 
go of having that, like, all that control. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a risk you have to take. I mean, you want to do your diligence and make sure you're getting the right person. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, we can all, you know, make a, a bad hire, and that's happened to me, and it's, it's difficult to deal with. But, um, you know, do what you can to make sure you are onboarding the right person. And, um, and giving, I think giving the, that person, you know, the autonomy to make decisions is going to be key. I mean, they don't imagine coming into a new job, you know, especially, you know, a startup-y kind of environment and having, you know, somebody, the founder hovering over you. And, you know, I think that person is going to need, you know, the the tools and the resources and just the confidence to drive, you know, whatever it is they're doing forward. And it's a great growth opportunity for the right person too. Mm-hmm. We've hired a lot of people who um, maybe had a certain type of skill set, but they wanted to take their career in a different direction. And, you know, we would recognize their huge potential to do so. And so we would help build them up, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's been really rewarding, I think, to both parties. Yeah, no, for sure. I remember that used to be when I worked in corporate, that used to be like the main thing when I would go interview for jobs. Like I wanted to feel like the place I was going to work, you know, like they were willing to like help me grow as like I learned more about my mm-hmm. interests, you know, being like 21, yeah. like you only know what you know from internships right so being somewhere where I could I could sense that there was you know it wasn't just something that where I just had to sit and fill up space at a desk yeah exactly I mean you know oftentimes our employees would end up kind of creating their own job descriptions after a couple of months and um you know for some people that's intimidating and it doesn't work and for other people that's you know they're really motivated by that yeah no totally Mm -hmm. so what is next for Schmitz? What is yeah. what's coming up? We have a lot that we're working on. Um, we, you know, we have we have plans to expand our product lines, and this is you know all driven just by by customer feedback. And um, you know, we can't. I'm not allowed to speak you know too mm-hmm. too much detail about you know what we have on the radar, but there is something fun coming this summer. So stay tuned you know, for, for a new product launch. Yay. It's something that our customers have been wanting from us. Oh, good. Um, but as you probably know, you know, we, we've expanded our lines over the last couple of years. Actually, within the last year, uh, we added a, a bar soap, mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing. Our customers were really excited about that. We also added a toothpaste. toothpaste yeah. yeah. So you can see we're breaking into new categories and um, just really paying attention to what it is our customers are wanting from us. And, you know, we don't have plans to, to stop that. And um, there's there's major potential for for the brand that's really exciting. I love that, and I think that again, like toothpaste, just seems like that perfect next thing after the mm-hmm. deodorant. Because again, I think the people who are switching over to the natural deodorant are also switching over to the toothpaste, and that's another funny one that has been like experimentation on my part. You know, because mm-hmm. again, yeah, we're so used to what we've literally been using our whole lives. Yeah. So it's an exciting time. I mean, cause mm-hmm. we, customers have more options now. Like yeah. when you talk toothpaste, you know, you think Colgate, you think Crest. Um, but now when you go to the aisles, I mean, there's more out there and there's a lot more, um, options for people and, you know, different flavors and, um, you know, cool, interesting packaging. And I, I think it's an exciting time to be a customer. Yeah. And that you don't have to go to like a super specialty shop to get it. Like you can right. literally pick it up while you're running your errands. I think that yeah. that's the game changer. And that's really we're um, in the midst of that that change right now. I mean, if you look at Target, you mm-hmm. know, they brought Schmitz on in early 2017, and that was a big move for them. And they didn't have many you know, natural kind of indie brands. And I think it was just a sign that times are changing. And Definitely. We, there does need to be more widespread availability of these types of brands. Definitely. What do you think the future looks like for, you know, natural home everyday products mm-hmm. as a whole? 
I think it's going to be key. You know, transparency is obvious. Like that's something that customers are demanding. Um, I think we need packaging is big. I think that's the first thing that people mm. are looking for. And you know, gone are the days of just a bland, um, you know, bottle or jar. I mean, when you're looking at the shelves, I mean, you need something that's going to catch people's eye. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, performance will always be there. I mean, looking good is one thing, but the product obviously has to work. Right. I think scents and flavors are becoming more um, important mm-hmm. um, for Schmitz. That was, you know, we we had embraced that um, early on with the unique fragrance offerings, but right. now I think other brands are catching on and realizing like, Hey, we do need to make something that, that smells different and actually smells you know, like the real thing. And, um, I think that's going to be key too. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I just, it's really cool to see just how something that you created out of a genuine need to solve something for yourself, not mm-hmm. trying to like, you know, necessarily like change the world mm-hmm. in 2010, but and how when you do you find a solution to a problem how it really just takes a life of its own yeah i know it's um it's pretty cool i mean we I, part of it you know i, I think it's, there's an element of luck to it in a way you know it was just being positioned in the right place at the right time but luck only gets it so far right I mean, right you have to oh really, yeah you know drive it home but yeah. you know i do think um yeah it's kind of magical how it all happened. Yeah, yeah, I think luck is an interesting thing because, you know, you could say, like, it's the difference between, like, being in that opportunity and then saying yes to it or being mm-hmm. scared of that opportunity and saying no. And then you could right. say, oh, I was unlucky. I didn't get it. But maybe it's literally some just letting fear take over yeah. versus taking the fear and being like, you know what, but this has, like – a purpose. This is going to make a difference. Right. And I think too, with, you know, starting a business or, you know, following your dreams, I think when you try too hard to find something to make or to create, but if you, you know, you can't, it's hard to just sit down and brainstorm, like, what does the world oh, need? Yeah, what am I going to do? Right. I mean, I, and I've tried that even, and, you know, just for yeah. fun and yeah. um, that's hard, but when it just sort of naturally happens and it comes to you and you, you know, kind of pay attention to it. And I think that's where the magic happens. And that's really where the most successful companies, you know, are born is in that, that space. I, I wholeheartedly believe yeah. that when you look back, even to when you were a kid, did you, do you, did you have that hint of entrepreneur spirit inside of you? Yeah, I did. And I may not have recognized it. I, I do look back on that a lot. And I think about some things I did as a kid, um, I had these lemonade stands where it wasn't your average lemonade stand because I would create flyers. You know, I would draw pictures of the food I would be selling and, and I'd deliver them a week before this. Oh event. my gosh, no way. That's <laughs> so incredible. Like, yeah. So it's like next Saturday, like lemonade stand, my driveway. And so that marketing piece was yeah. there. Um, and then also, you know, we had um, garage sales up um, in northern Michigan, every summer, my grandparents' house, and I always had my own table, and I loved managing that. And I was literally like bargaining or bartering with the neighborhood children on, <laughs> on prices. And so, you know, can I get your Barbie? And I'm like, well, what do you want to pay? And um, so, I've always oh had a little gosh. element of that in me for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so funny. I love that, and I think that that's the that's the best part about these stories. I love asking entrepreneurs this question because there's always that one little thing that kind of sets apart from like what the average kid was doing like you said like Mm -hmm. lemonade stand a lot of people have lemonade stands but like you went above and beyond for that yeah (laughs) 
wish I still had those flyers. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my god. I remember like it's so funny. I remember like um selling these little individual bags of potato chips and I remember seeing on the back of the package like not for individual yeah. people, Right. And I'm like, oh god, <laughs> breaking the law. Yes, oh my gosh, I did that too. <laughs> my so when I was in first grade, um my mom would pack these little Hawaiian punch juice boxes in my mm-hmm. lunch and I didn't like them but I didn't want to tell her I didn't like them Aww. and so I would stock them up at my friend's house in her closet oh and God. I had this grand master plan that when I collected enough of them I was going to sell them how a first grader <laughs> even learns this like is wow. beyond me but I think That's like awesome. we just kind of like have that creativity yeah that is and you know at that point there's no fear to hold us back from the you know you had no fear going door to door with your flyers like you weren't thinking what if i change my mind next saturday whatever you know you just did it never thought whatever happened to your juice boxes oh her my friend's mom found them and then told my mom (laughs) your your mom had to have found it funny like there's (laughs) at the time (laughs) No, I mean she was probably a little mad. She was, but, but now, but now, sure. but no, yeah, now my parents are like, of course you did that. Oh like, my gosh. how did you? That's... They're they're so baffled by it still, kind of. Yeah, but that's funny. How did you not like the Hawaiian punch? Jeez, they man. would give me headaches. I think it's oh. the sugar. Yeah, and they're I, very very sugar. Because <laughs> I couldn't when I was little, I couldn't drink Capri Sun either because oh. I'd get headaches. Oh, weird, yeah. But now, when you think about it, it's like, how much sugar was in those? Oh, things? ridiculous. Right. <laughs> or like people weren't thinking Kool-Aid. about those things back then, right? Your mom was not right. thinking about oh, the sugar, no. just like my parents. I mean, now, like, you're not going to see a Hawaiian punch juice box in most kids' lunches, right? No. I, I yeah. mean, right. I don't even know. I'm sure they still exist, right? Right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, and then there was, like, those plastic Kool-Aid things, that were the like little, you twist it off the, the twist lid. the top off yeah. and then you pull the top yes. yeah there were all oh the different gosh. colors I don't remember the brand of that was it just the Kool Aid I think so yeah maybe but yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about I remember an orange one and like you would you yeah. squeeze, the, the plastic was really thin yes yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my funny. gosh throwbacks yeah well okay so let's wrap this up with the two lifestyle questions so what was your morning routine like today. Oh, today. Okay. Um, every Thursday morning, I go to a bar class at um, the gym that I'm a member of. Um, and let's see. So I'll wake up, get my son out of bed. I try not to like check my phone or like get too deep into anything when I first wake up. I just want to lay there and kind of take in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have tons of birds in our yard, which I'm loving. Like, when I wake up, just laying there, kind of listening to them talk and do their little thing. Uh, I really have been paying a lot of attention to the outdoor sounds. Oh. Um, and I think it's because my mornings are less rushed than they used to be. That and makes now sense. Now I can you know take a minute to just take it in. Um, so I wake my son up. I kind of cuddle with him for a little bit. He's eight years old, oh. and um, this is his last week of school. Oh, yeah. So we get he you know gets himself dressed, and then I'll make him breakfast. And I uh, we recently moved, so now I'm driving my son to school. I used to walk him to school, um, but I drop him off. Went to my bar class and came back home. And then I met with our interior designer. We we're um, doing some renovations and getting some new furniture in our home. So really excited oh, about that. Oh, that's fun. And then I ran into the office and now I'm talking to you. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. so I haven't really quite showered and I'm doing the no makeup thing as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a pretty typical morning though. And um, yeah, I, I hit the, the gym about three or four mornings a week. And so 
I like getting out of the way and just mm-hmm. and then I can go about my day and do anything and not like feel bad or feel right. like I be, yeah exactly and then what is your favorite lifestyle hack or tip or trick yeah I think that kind of relates to my morning so I like to put my workouts on my calendar I have them in there I don't you know, just keep it on, on my mind, like, oh, I should go to my class on Thursday. I actually have it scheduled, and that way nothing can get in the way. Um, I found this works really well because when you have a busy schedule and you're trying to, you know, keep organized, it's so easy to just let your workouts go to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's flexible. I don't have to do it. But no, if you put them in the calendar, they're there, and nothing can be scheduled over it. Yeah. And that has worked really well for me. And um, it's, yeah, it's so easy to just say, okay, I'll just move the workout, but no, you don't, you shouldn't move it. <laughs> I mean, you know, if there's a certain situation you can't get around, then, then right. it can be flexible, but I found that works really well for me. Right. Even if it's an in-home workout, like I'm going to set aside, you know, this time on these days just for me and, and, and you know, my exercise and, yeah. Um, it takes a little getting used to, but once it's on there, it's it's nice. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I've been yeah. starting to play around with really leveraging my calendar more to mm-hmm. keep me accountable and more of the life things. Like, even putting, like, lunch on there. Because I yeah. would be like, oh, it's 1230, I have this project that I want to wrap up. I can do lunch, like, in an hour. And then also right. not having lunch at 2. And it's just like, okay, let's... I can be so much more productive if I have lunch when right. <laughs> at a normal hour. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I love that for the gym as well. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I, I'm literally after we get off this, I'm going to implement that. That's I'm awesome. gonna put it in my calendar. Yes, good. <laughs> well, where can everyone find Schmidt Naturals? Where can they yeah. find the deodorant, the toothpaste, the soap? Well, the good place to, or the best place to start would probably be our website, and that's SchmidtsNaturals.com, and it's um, S C H M I D T S Naturals.com. Um, and then you, you, know, you can order online. You can learn more about all our products on there. But we're in a lot of stores, too. So if you want to just you know, pop into a local Target, uh, Whole Foods, some of the Walmarts, um, yeah, we're easy to find. And there's a store locator on our website as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then me personally, if you want to connect with me, um, you can find me on Instagram. It's just uh, my first name, Jamie, J-A-I-M-E, Schmidt22. Um, and then... I'm having fun on there, and I like to connect with consumers um, that way, too. Perfect. Yeah. And y'all, seriously, like, if y'all will pop in the aisle now, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've seen, yes, connecting the dots. Like, I, you know, so... Um, send me it, pictures. Yes. Too. You are, I love that. What, if you're in a store and you see the product, take a picture and send it to message me on Instagram and send it to me. I love seeing those. Oh my gosh. Yes. So we just got a brand new Whole Foods two weeks ago in Kansas mm-hmm. City, and it's gorgeous. So, and I actually nice. walked by and I was like, oh, I'm talking to Jamie oh, <laughs> this cool. week. But yeah, I'll take a picture next time. Yeah. Because yeah, seriously, the, the Whole Foods is stunning. It's nice. Because like, literally it's two weeks old. So they probably put in like their latest, you know, mm-hmm. um, design or whatever. That's cool. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's it's like an intense Whole Foods, but I'll, I will take it because it is three minutes away. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much. This was an awesome conversation. I cannot wait to share it with everyone. Yes, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. And if anyone has questions, I'm always available. I love to talk. Perfect. I love that. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Influencer Girl Lifestyle. Love this episode? Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. For show notes and free resources on living out your influencer lifestyle, head over to monicawoodhams.com forward slash podcast.